Your story is waiting for you today. Your story has something new to say. But your story will only come out to play when you're alone. Alone. Alone in a room with invisible people. The following episode may contain swearing. Alone in a Room with Invisible People is brought to you by hollyswritingclasses.com. If you find value in what we do and you'd like to support the podcast, go to coffee.com, that's K-O hyphen F-I.com forward slash alone, or you can go to alonewithinvisiblepeople.com forward slash support us to find out more. Thank you. Hi, I'm Rebecca Gallardo, the host of Alone in a Room with Invisible People. I'm here today with author and teacher Holly Lyle, and today's topic is how to figure out chapters, basically. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Um, this is this is something I mentioned in a previous podcast episode that we were doing. I was like, I would love to freaking know how to do, you know, chapters. Because mine is so arbitrary. Mine is just four scenes, chapter, four scenes, equal chapter. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, if anybody else is out there that wants to know the same thing, please let us know. We had just a slew of comments in, you know, on, we had a couple on Facebook, a couple on Instagram. We had a bunch in the forums. We had, I had two emails asking me, yes, please cover this topic. Um, and I think I even had one of the conversations in the forums pop up. So it's apparently it's something that people are, if not vaguely interested in, very, very interested in. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, let's get into it. All right. Um, the first thing you have to understand about chapters is, is again, there is no one true way. Chapters are arbitrary. Initially, books didn't even have them. They just, they, there was like this wall of text from front to back, and there would be maybe scene dividers, but there was nothing that said chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Oh, it was wow. just 100,000 words from, from front to back. Chapters are a convenience for the writer and they are a convenience for the reader. For the reader because it gives you a, a set place where you can put the book down, which can be both a good and bad thing. For the writer, it gives you, okay, well, I'm this far into the book. It's, it's just like a little milestone. Yeah. Um, but you don't, <laughs> you can be Victorian and not do them at all. Or maybe even pre-Victorian. I've read a couple of books that didn't have any chapters, but they had mm-hmm. scene breaks. But they were they weren't big books that I can remember. Yeah. Um, I think the the thing it's it's very easy. It's it's not just a great place for a reader to put the book down. It's also kind of a milestone for the reader as well, because yeah. you follow these these chapters and characters and and everything that's going on and and it gives you a breather a bit of a breather between this chapter and that chapter so you hit the next chapter and it's kind of like ah, because some especially in the more tense novels mm-hmm. yes and the clear sense of progression that you get from that is a big deal as a reader mm-hmm. it's like okay i survived that chapter i'm, yeah. I'm to a safe spot now um, you know, maybe I can I can safely read the next one and just calm down, get myself breathing again, and then you know it's five o'clock in the morning. Maybe I ought to get an hour's sleep before I have to get up and go to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially this year, I've been really bad about that. I've just been laying in bed because I've been having some issues with sleep and the, the insomnia. I'll mm-hmm. just lay in bed and read 
whatever book I'm reading and then I look up and it's it's yeah it's 5 6 a.m oh shit yes yes and there's stuff that must be done during the day and yeah well yeah I'm I have been really bad about that lately too so (laughs) so yeah I had some questions as far as chapters go now I know some of them some people use pacing I know some people um kind of want to have events happen in the chapter Mm -hmm. certain certain marks of the book like certain um points on a map and right oh my god that's a heavy cat and um then some people also they like to leave the scenes normal but then every chapter has a cliffhanger which Mm -hmm. i actually really like i hate every scene having a cliffhanger yes because it just it even even when I think uh, Darcy Coates' Parasite is a good version. I love Darcy Coates. I I still liked the book, but dear God, not every scene needs to be so freaking intense. The reader needs a break. Yes. Good Lord, yes. woman. But um, I I kind of like it if there's you know four to six scenes in a chapter or even two, and then maybe the chapters are your cliffhangers. Mm-hmm. So yeah. how how do you I guess this is all about personal preference. This is personal preference right now. And I've done it a bunch of different ways. Um, When I was working to a word count, uh, I would do a chapter a day. And it was generally around 3,000 words. Uh, there were some points when I had to go to two chapters a day when I was getting tight on deadlines, and it was that was a 6,000-word day, and that was not fun. But what I would do with that was the chapter was that day's writing, and it would comprise maybe two or three separate scenes. Um, right now, I'm doing a chapter is one scene, and I'm allowing the chapters to be different lengths. This is for the Ohio novel. Um, generally, I was shooting for around 1,500 words. Some of them have run 3,000 words. Um, there's, It's just whatever it takes for me to accomplish what I wanted in that one scene that is the chapter. Um, there are, it's, it is a structural choice ending with a cliffhanger, always writing to the point where you get a cliffhanger for the end of the chapter, no matter, matter how many scenes that takes is good too. Yeah. It's, there is, it's just, what do you want to do with this book with the caveat, be consistent? Yeah. Um, you don't want to have. Uh, a whole bunch of multi-scene chapters and then just one scene per chapter and then just, you know, one word for a chapter and then back to multi-scene chapters. And because that's, that's like riding on a really bumpy road and you don't want to make your reader ride on a bumpy road. You want to make it smooth. Yeah, it's it's jarring as a reader to to go through a book that has no um, solid. It, it, it's it's kind of like the the chapters are sort of in a in a way a foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is you know we're just generalizing here. There's always exceptions to the rule, but it's it's nice when you're reading something and there's a flow to it. So as even as a reader, there's a certain flow you get when you're reading and you're really involved in a book, and you kind of want to limit as the writer anything that's going to break that flow for the reader because it's the same thing as in films or books where you have this suspension of disbelief and 
there are things that will break the suspension of the dis- of a, the ah, suspension of disbelief, <laughs> like a bad actor, <laughs> or yeah. things in a film done wrong, which we've talked about before, yeah. um, that drives people nuts. And it's it's the same thing with loopy, weird, you know, kind of chapter structures and you're, you're, you're it's just jarring as yes. a reader. And again, you know, there are always exceptions. Some people play with formula. Some people play with structure and they do it very well. Mm-hmm. But it's it's also kind of like the the know the rules before you break them kind of thing. Yes. Yes, and the objective always is to create something that the reader does not want to put down. Yeah. You want them to not want to quit ever. So you don't you don't want to put in there the convenient place to stop because okay, well this um this feels weird and awkward and I'm just going to put this down for 15 minutes and maybe I'll come back to it later and maybe I'll come back to it tomorrow and I never came back to it you don't want to give the reader a solid reason to quit reading you want them to bookmark the page and think oh my god I've really got to get back but you know I'm at a chapter break and there's a cliffhanger but I so I can find my place again Mm -hmm. but I don't want to quit and and that is the objective for every book ever written is don't give the reader a reason to put your book down yeah, and th- that's another thing that we've talked about before. If you're revising and you find these these parts where you're skimming, if you're skimming, the reader is probably likely to skim too. So so that is one of those areas where it, it could even for the reader be an unintentional moment to, okay, well, I have chores to do, so I'm going to go do those and come back, and then they don't come back. Any place where you're skimming or info dumping or um, what we talked about before, the internal conflicts, if it's done not well Mm -hmm. a lot of those places are places in the book where the reader can put the book down and not remember to come back to it because where they stopped was not exactly exciting or intriguing or engaging yeah it was unmemorable Yeah. yeah so what other notes do you have for chapters so the next thing that i think uh would be worthwhile talking about is when you are switching characters or switching points of view that is a a solid reason to create a new chapter. Okay. So, so yeah, in mine, I do that kind of, at least with, like, leaving one to Lucia, every other scene was either her or him, her or mm-hmm. him, which is typical in romance. In um, The House on Andrews Ave, I have three different characters that are the POV characters. But, you know, one has more scenes than the other two because it's that's the main character of the entire series. So every scene is usually, you know, somebody different. Mm-hmm. So you're saying, like, so you could write an entire chapter from one character's perspective, then the next chapter from another character's perspective. I'm pretty sure I consistently stuck with that with Talon. Talon? That's what I was mm-hmm. thinking. I yeah. think um, I had her with chapters that were 2,000 words and I think I had him with chapters that were 1,000 words or it might have been 3,000 for her and 1,500 for him. That I sounds know that, more accurate because she had some pretty long chapters. Yeah. Not not boring or anything, just they were long. Yeah, but uh, there were... Um, <laughs> I, I have a tendency to, to get very um, 
strange about structure because I really enjoy it and I really like trying new things. Mm-hmm. And for that book, I specifically set out for myself the objective to give her precisely two thirds of the book and to give him the romantic lead one third of the book and to do it with basically alternating chapters. Um, see, but I also like writing sonnets. And this is a thing where if you appreciate structure and you appreciate playing within a severely restrictive structure, it becomes very interesting to see what that structure will feed into the story. And when I was doing Talon, I was having these things where I had to find a reason to put him in because she'd had her thing. Okay, now it's his turn. I can't really think of it. Okay, so now I have to think of something for him. It has to be important. And... That I think one of the best chapters I got in there when he was crawling through a dark hole and she was crawling behind him and she, he he stopped and almost kicked her in the face. Um, and when she when it switched back over to her, she saw that he had squashed all the bugs on the ground for her before she... Yeah, because they shared that mind meld thing mm-hmm. where he knew she didn't like bugs, yeah. which I think was, that was adorable. But there was yeah. a lot of, you, you really put a lot of little things in his in his um point of view mm-hmm. like i loved the the spy scenes i loved the the um the the scenes where he was in the prison just heartbreaking because it nothing was going the way that it should have gone the the transfer of of power that that happened um left him where he should not have been and mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna keep going and give spoilers <laughs> because these really, Talon and Hawksbar are two of my my top ten. You know, ten books. They they really are really good. And and I I am a character whore. Okay, I love <laughs> books that are based on characters. My brother and I are too. Is this probably comes from you know hearing your stuff and reading your stuff growing up? But it also comes from being a fan of Joss Whedon. Anybody who really oh, God, puts yeah. the insane amount of work into the characters and then shows not tells, mm-hmm. it is a pleasure for me to read that stuff. That's a big thing in that all of the chapters that that you had for him, I like hearing that you had to figure out what to put in because you were working within this very strict limitation. And yeah. If you have not worked within limitations before, especially if you're a beginning writer or a medium writer and you've not limited yourself on things, limiting yourself to a certain amount of words per scene or a certain amount of um, structure, play, something like that, it is really, really a, a chance, an opportunity for growth. Mm-hmm. And then also to see how your muse plays with those limitations. So if chapters are a thing that you kind of struggle with, maybe just pick, you know, some random way of doing chapters and try it out and, mm-hmm. and commit for the entire whatever you're making, short story, novella, whatever it is. Because when you're committed and your brain knows like, okay, well, this is not just a maybe, this is a solid, this is what I have to do. Right. Then your creativity kind of blossoms. It does. And it makes showing up for work the next day a lot of fun. Writing those books, because of the limitations that I had set on them and because I knew I had this strict structure, 
I would wake up in the morning thinking about what I had to do because that the, the I had finished the days the previous day's character the next day had something and that that they had to do and while I had a very rough outline for that book um my muse would play with okay well my my muse doesn't like outlines um <laughs> my muse likes to take the outline smash it into 50,000 pieces pick up the 3 that are most contrary and run with those my muse is contrarian my inner editor is bossy and my muse <laughs> likes to come in ignore whatever my inner editor planned out and and go with the contrarian solution that that throws stuff in that's going to change everything but then I still have to get to the same ending that I planned at the beginning. Yes. So, yes. So my, my, my little brain team is very, very difficult to work with. But it's always interesting. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so um, POV, that's the characters in POV. That's a way to play chapters. What else have you got? Uh, if you switch locations. If you have um, with the secret texts, I had people scattered across... Um, different places in the world. And I would move from the characters, in, and I had little groups of people that were all going towards this one objective that nobody knew yet. And I would go from one group of people uh, in one location for a chapter, and then I'd move to the, another location and another group of people for the next chapter. And then I would, I think I was running three groups of people at the time, uh, one for villains, uh, one for the guys in the jungle and one for uh, the other team that had gotten separated were on a boat. And, <laughs> yeah, I do not remember. I remember really liking that series, but I do not remember it. <laughs> yeah. It's been yeah, a well, long that's, ass time. Oh, God, that, is, that has been a really long time ago. But, but yeah. I was, that was, it was a locational thing where I was just picking up in one location, moving them forward a bit, going to the next location, moving them forward a bit, going to the third location, moving them forward a bit, and giving everybody hell. Yeah, that reminds <laughs> me of I would walk into Mark's room, um, and he would have all of his army guys out. And I, I still to this day, I think it's amazing how, how in-depth he, he got with his army guys. Like, he created little backstories for all of them. He created, <laughs> like, all that. of these. Yeah. And he would be working with one location in at that point in time and god forbid i accidentally nudged one of the army men it was like all hell broke loose he was very very angry when i came into his room and he was playing with his army men and guys this is him at 13 okay this is not him at five this is he was he was very very upset with me i was like oh okay sorry stupid army guy but he would work with locations well he was using visual representation yeah, 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 he was, and he was just, he was really intense about it. But, um, yeah, I, I like the idea of the location chapters, too, because um, it's it's kind of the way that uh, George R. R. Martin does things. Like, mm -hmm. you'll you'll have everything in the, the Westeros or whatever, mm -hmm. um, but it's, 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 you'll have a lot of all of these characters in one area. And then you go to the wall, and you have a couple characters on the wall, and then you go to wherever the the Daenerys is, mm -hmm. um, and you might hit a couple of characters there, and it's it's really, I hadn't really thought of location, based chapters until you said that, but that's yeah. what 
brought me to mind is yeah that that really fits it's it's useful if you have a bunch of characters and several plot lines and big conflicts and a big world and you're doing something it's very very useful for epics yeah um I'm not sure well I'm sure it's useful for for smaller stuff too because when you consider um even shorter books could benefit from it if you have two people who are separated from each other and uh, are trying to get to each other. Yeah. That location base would work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I see, and this is why I tell people, like, this, this podcast is as much for me as it is for the listener because I learn different things from this. And the gigantic epic that I am still plotting out and planning for that is not Fulton Hills related. That is the only thing that I want to write that is not Fulton Hills related. Um, (laughs) I think doing it location based would be the best way to do it because this thing is going to be like literally epic size. Mm -hmm. So I, I think the, the location based way to do it is, is really neat. There's another one, uh, world war Z, the book by Max Brooks, which is Mel Brooks's son. It, it felt, I think I've mentioned this before, it felt like he wrote the thing as, as his own personal backstory, as his own personal kind of way of figuring out a plot, and then found out how to sell it, but then he never ended up making the series of books, I guess, because that, that, it was a book by itself, or maybe I'm just a crackhead and he just wanted it to be that way in, in the entire way. The movie, by the way, is nothing like the books, really, um, but... It's location based, so he has like this, this really unique style and formula and structure. He played with a lot of stuff in it, and it's a real. I really loved it. I, it's a brilliant book, especially if you're a writer who likes the idea of reading research, fictional research, because that's basically what the book is. And it's location based. Every time there's basically like a new chapter or whatever, it's it's in a new location. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's. It's really, really cool that uh, I've picked up something new today. Yay. Okay. Well, I, we've still got another one. Um, mm-hmm. You can switch between story threads and conflicts. So if you have one character and you want to, and that character has a romantic storyline, that character has a suspense storyline, um, some end of the world, got to stop the the comet from hitting Earth sort of thing, um, has a... Uh, have to save my family storyline, then you can switch between the romance and then the gotta save the world and then gotta save my family and then bounce back and forth between the conflict of saving the family versus saving the romantic lead or the the romantic interest and then have those come into conflict with the objective of saving everybody in the whole wide world and bounce back and forth between all. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. That's that's something I can see being useful with the Fulton Hills world, too, because there's so many conflicts mm-hmm. within this world that I could see, okay, well, this chapter is just going to be a basic, basically this. And you don't have to segment them so hardcore. Obviously, you can still mention the other stuff that's going mm-hmm. on and bring it in because that conflict carries throughout the entire novel. Yeah. But I like the idea of... Okay, this chapter here is focused on, let's say, the the haunted, you know, the researching of the haunted house or the setup. I Yeah, I think that's really cool. And this and then, is, 
I'm actually using this structure for the Ohio novel right now because she has personal conflicts. She has an upcoming romantic conflict. She has this terrifying crap that's happening in this beautiful small town that she has, is back home at for the first time and loves. And it, it allows me to put things in, in full view run them up to kind of a tense cliffhanger and then bounce to the next thing with the, the this little with a small resolution but a bigger question pretty much at the end of every chapter and then let it let it hang for a couple of chapters while you're getting other stuff so that there are always basically two questions in the back of the reader's mind that aren't getting answered while I'm answering the third yeah, I like that a lot and that's something that maybe we can do like just a mini just something small on cliffhangers because I know we've talked about them several times on the podcast. Uh -huh. Um the idea of giving some small piece of closure on something while asking a bigger question or another question allows you to continuously add cliffhangers all over the place. But it doesn't drive the reader nuts because yeah. it's solving something small. So they get that slight, tiny little moment of relief. And then you've piqued their interest again. And I think that George R. R. Martin does that really well. Yes. As much as it drives me nuts to have to continuously mention him on the show <laughs> because it sounds like I've only ever read maybe his books, Harry <laughs> Potter. But but again, he does it really well because... yeah. That man is constantly dumping you into cliffhangers. Every scene almost is, is a cliffhanger, but there is a resolution within that scene to something. Yep. So it keeps driving you forward. And I think that that's a really brilliant way to do it is what you're doing with the Ohio novels. Releasing some of that tension, but there's a new question that is being asked. I think that's, yeah. that's beautiful. Cool. All right. Well, so now that gives us to how is a scene different than a chapter, which is something that scenes can be chapters. And I have used one scene as a chapter in many, many books. You can also have multiple scenes in a chapter. And I've done that in many, many books. So the thing that you have to remember is that a scene ends when something important changes. A chapter ends when the writer says so. <laughs> yeah, because we've mentioned this before. It's arbitrary. Yeah. It's yeah. completely up to personal style, personal taste, what your motivation is behind the, the use of chapters. And it, for me, my chapters are literally just every four scenes. That's it. <laughs> I, and sometimes the scenes are shorter. Sometimes it, my goal for the scenes is 1,200 words. I don't know why I picked that number, but that's usually it. But some of them come in at five. 500 words, seven to 700 words. Some of them are sometimes, you know, more than 1,200. Yeah. But the average goal for me is about 1,200 when I'm writing them. Um, so, yeah, mine are just there as sort of a break, I guess. Because you, for me, I kind of want to put chapters in there specifically for the readers. Mm -hmm. It's, I just don't want the book to be nothing but scene, 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 scene. One, one writer who I have no idea how the fuck he finds out how he breaks up chapters is Lawrence Block. Mm -hmm. That's the other, that's the third writer that oh, I yeah. read. You know, all of, all of these, 
All yes, of these well, books I, I read. Lawrence but, Block. Lawrence yeah. Block. But I don't understand Bowie. how in the hell he <laughs> figures out chapters because there's no real rhyme or reason to them as far as I can tell. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. He just, he, he writes, he makes himself happy with it, he moves on to the next thing. That's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, the chapters in those books are completely... Like the only reason I like them is because it does give me a point where okay maybe now I should go to bed I finish this chapter, <laughs> you know. Yes. But um, is there is there anything else with the chapters? There there are. Um, we have a number of questions that folks can ask themselves to say okay, how, am I getting this right? The first question is, how do you want the reader to experience the book? Do you want them to have this steady, a feeling of steady pace? In which case, you're going to be making scenes roughly the same length. Um, you're going to be following a, a consistent plan with them. If you're Lawrence Block, the answer is, hell no. Uh, I want to see. He, he doesn't <laughs> yeah. seem to, to even care. He just says, oh, well, yes, mm. okay, well, let me throw in another chapter here. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, it's just like, okay, chapter that's that's going to be my pepper in this you don't want to use too many yeah. and you know you can't really control where the grains are going to fall you're just going to kind of go Peep, and they're going to land where they may yeah um the next question is what are you using to bring back the reader who puts the book down and that is where what you want to resolve or understand for yourself at the end of every chapter because for the reader a a chapter marker is a good place to put the book down and you want to make sure it's not a good place to quit reading it you want to make sure when you ask this question you know what what am i using to bring the reader back you want to make sure you have a good answer for that at the end of every chapter it doesn't have to be at the end of every scene but at the end of every chapter you want to have some reason for the reader to go I got to go to bed. I got to get up tomorrow morning to go to work. I'm going to just put a bookmark here and I'm going to read it first thing when I'm on the bus riding to work or whatever. Yeah. Some reason for them to come back. Um, the third question, how do you want the reader's sense of time to progress as he or she reads? And this is a structure that, you know, totally, I am totally a structure whore. Um, and I, figure out a time frame um, when I'm writing books. The one that I've got right now, um, chapters are <laughs> generally a few hours, and then I might skip a day between, but I am. this entire book is going to take place in a period of one month. With, um, with Talon, good God, that thing took... I had it structured. I had the time structure in it, and I think it was something like six months. It was a long time frame. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I thought it was more than six months, but yeah, the the we didn't even talk about breaking down your chapters into time frame. So that's, that's pretty cool. That's that's true. another yeah. one that you can do. Um, the next question that you want to ask yourself is, how are you specifically dividing up your conflicts? And with this, um, again, I, you know, we mentioned a couple of different things like the conflict of character versus character or 
am I going to do um, the character's personal conflict or and then the character's bigger conflict and then the character's biggest conflict of, at all and going through those those different things one chapter at a time and then bouncing back to them and always leaving two conflicts open while you are resolving a portion of the third. Um, and again, this is there are multiple, multiple structures and you can always invent your own. After you have done how are you dividing up your conflicts, then the next question you ask is what are the core qualities of your characters that you're showing and how are you breaking those up? And if you have a situation where you have a character who is some good some of the time, uh, kind of antagonistic some of the time, and you want to have these different conflicts where, where you're showing the different sides of the same character, you can use chapters to, to break those up or you can use different scenes within the, the same chapter so that you always maintain a specific overall feeling of the character either being a good guy or the character being a bad guy without while, while allowing readers to see those other parts of the character that show other facets of the personality. Then finally, why are you telling this story? And what you want to bring to why are you telling this story is what it ma why it matters to you. Um, Talon for me was this massive look at different kinds of, of, of governments that essentially had the same philosophy, they essentially had the same end desire that, and they wanted they hated each other for stupid reasons. And when a third group came in that was inimical to both of them and that they didn't realize it at the time that was trying to destroy both of them, they realized that they had to pull together. And that was the reason I was telling that story. It was a big story. It had a lot of world building. It had a lot of cultural stuff. But at the end of it, it was showing that people who were divided in small things had to find their common ground to save themselves from this bigger thing that intended to destroy them both. Yeah, Talon. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and that is basically it. So we do have a takeaway for this. Okay. Well, before we get to the takeaway, I just want to let you guys know you can follow us on the socials. That is at AIA. RWIP on Twitter, Alone in a Room with Invisible People on Facebook, Alone with Invisible People on Instagram. Um, you can follow Holly on Instagram, that is holly.lisle, and you can follow me, that is R-G-A-L-A-R-D-O. Those are our personal ones, and then you can follow our website blog, it is alonewithinvisiblepeople.com. If you would like to support the podcast, there are several different ways. Go to alonewithinvisiblepeople.com forward slash support us to see all of the ways if you're interested in buying any of holly's classes or courses or anything like that she would love it if you bought it from the affiliate links we do have those on the website all of her courses are listed out so if you're interested in that that would be great if you would like to help us and you don't have any means to do it financially we would love it if you would just share us 
just tell other writers about us. Um, you can like, comment, subscribe, anything that you follow us on. If you're a YouTube person, if you are a um, Podbean or Spotify or whatever it is that you follow, whatever app that you follow, if you like the episodes, comment on the episodes, it just helps our algorithms and it helps people find us better. And we really appreciate all of it. Everything. Yeah. I, I appreciate um, all of the people <laughs> giving to the coffee account. You guys have no idea. Just I know that it's it's only th- $3 usually. That's that's the typical amount that, that folks will follow. I have a few at 6 a few at 9 And that pays for a lot of the, the things because it all adds up. It really does. The people who come in and drop a couple of bucks on PayPal every now and then or just once. That, that covers a couple of the bills that, that we've got going on for the podcast. Yeah. So the, the idea is just to make the podcast sustainable by itself. And we really, really appreciate all of all of everything that you guys do, including coming into the forums. That is our best, most it active is. place. I see a lot of new faces. <laughs> I see a lot of people, you know, introducing themselves or just coming in and talking. We love to see you guys in there. We try our very best to respond to as many people as we can, but you're going to get responses from other writers pretty much guaranteed. The only thing that we say, you know, no politics, no religion, no flaming, no dicks. That's it. (laughs) Like literally. (laughs) So we would love to see you in there. If you have any questions on this episode, find this episode title in the podcast forums or any episode at all. Or if you have questions in general, you can email us at show at alone with invisiblepeople.com or mention it in the forums. So Holly, what is today's takeaway? Okay. Any system that gives your chapters a compelling rhythm for your writing and for your reader's reading will work. Simply identify or design your rhythm and then keep it consistent. And this is by no means a, a an all-inclusive look on chapters. Again, no. remember we are limited by the medium and by time. So if, if you have some really cool examples of chapters from other authors that you have read, please, by all means, go into the forums, mention the author's name, mention the books that they, that they did this particular structure in really well that you really liked, because you're helping to teach other writers. You're also helping to, to support the writers that you enjoy, because other people in the forums will go pick up that book and read the structure, you know, read the book to find the structure and yeah. stuff. We are all about sharing other writers, name dropping in the positive way. Yes. And I am looking forward to seeing you guys in the forum. Thank you so much for listening. We love you guys, Holly. Yes. Just remember, you can do this. Batman opens doors and uh, we know this. And when I yell at him to stop, after maybe the second try, he listens. (laughs) <laughs> and he sits and he waits and, you know, maybe five minutes go by, he'll try it again. Oliver is the spoiled baby of the house. Uh-oh. Oliver gets away with everything. I don't think I've ever punished Oliver. I barely have ever yelled at him. And if even if he's on the counters, I'm like, no, no, get down, get down. And he, he like, <laughs> looks at me and he'll get down. But, like, the other day he was going into the, the bath, uh, to the tub. Uh-huh. I had put the trash there because I was cleaning up. The trash had spilled and there was some interesting smelling stuff. So he wanted to go down there. Yeah. I had to, to go to the bathroom. So I was using the bathroom while he's trying to go into the tub. And I'm yelling at him. 
And every time he, I say his name, he just looks at me and then keeps doing what he's doing. And I'm like, I love her. And I started banging my hands together. And he just look at me and he go back to doing what he was doing. Like, <laughs> but he really wants to sit on those notes, though. He, yes, he does. But they're crumpling. Yeah. And I'm afraid that they'll be audible. In the Probably. In the yeah. So. But he was just he was just going and going and he just he would look at me he didn't give me blinky eyes he th nothing it was just this why are you bothering me clearly I'm busy so I had to get up and physically move him out of the bathroom so this is the problem since Batman taught him how to open bathroom doors or how to open doors mm -hmm. now when I yell no. It doesn't matter because Oliver doesn't listen. <laughs> Oliver is spoiled, does not know the meaning of no, does not know the meaning of being in trouble. Because anytime I've ever been slightly mad at him, I will pick him up and immediately he goes to blinky eyes and kiss my face. Uh, not stupid. No, not <laughs> stupid. Not stupid. So now there is literally no recourse to keeping that bathroom door closed at all. Because and, and he has come to the aid of Batman because Bat and you can tell the difference in the sound of the doors opening. So Batman tried to open a door and I yelled at him and he stopped. And next thing I know, it comes the the slightly more tentative and yet still strong. And it took maybe a minute, but he must have heard the bathroom door trying to be opened. And mm -hmm. he comes in and it's not open, so Oliver opens the door and will not fucking listen to me say no. <laughs> Yeah. So you have a team now. Yes. They are a team. Yes. One taught the other. And now if one gets yelled at, the the bulletproof one will go in and do the door. Yes. Oh it's the it's Batman and Robin if Robin was the was was a spoiled little brat who got away with fucking everything and knew that he was bulletproof, <laughs> as you put it. I'm fucked. You are. Yeah. <laughs>